just felt so well that where the worship ended up and isn't it just so good to glorify Jesus? Doesn't it, doesn't it do us so well? Oh, the youngsters are out, salt and light, year seven and eight, have an absolutely brilliant time. Enjoy it, they're going to they're be hearing about signs, wonders and miracles. So watch it when they come back in. You know, what, what they're going to have a go on us lot, so uh, who knows. Um, it fitted in so well, um, I felt the worship with what, I wanna, uh, what, what we're going to be preaching on um, today. So we're going to be starting off a new preach series, um, Living the Gospel, Being Salt and Light. Um, we're really excited about doing this. This is going to be sort of a whole load of practical building on the back of Romans 1 to 4, which we did last term. So there we sort of laid a biblical basis um, uh, for, for um, the reason for mission and the importance of mission. Um, the next eight or nine weeks we're going to be looking at what does that look like to put it into practice. As we have a year where we're focusing on going out and all of us as a church together just looking to take one or two steps forward together when it comes to sharing our faith with those that don't yet know Jesus, we want to build some practical, helpful uh, stuff in that can mean we can do it more easily. We want to look to answer a couple of questions. You know, What, what, does, it, what does it look like if, if actually... To be missional doesn't come naturally. Any of you get a bit nervous about that? You don't feel that whole thing is a natural characteristic. We want to help you with that. What is it that hinders the effectiveness of the gospel? What is it actually to share my faith? I'm not totally certain I'd know what words to use anyway. So we want to equip you in some of those ways. How do I pray for the sick? Is my character important to go with the message as well? So we're going to be unpacking a whole load of stuff um, like that. But we also want to tie in with some life stories as well. So pretty much every time there is uh, a preach in this series, um, Living Out the Gospel, we're also going to have a little video testimony of how people do the stuff in their workplaces. And the first person we are going to see this week is Alfie. So why don't we press play on the video and uh, we will see how this goes. I'm from London originally. I moved down to Hastings about two and a half years ago. Yeah, and I've been a lifeguard for about seven, eight months now. Really enjoying it. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. So I try and, mainly just practical things, really. So I give them a message if they're down, build them up a bit again. Maybe paying for a drink or something or about paying for a meal. Or maybe even giving up free time for cover, to cover them and stuff at work. Yeah, and that, that can kind of lead to prayers and things like that, and just kind of listen, just talking to them, just kind of giving them advice. Uh, it's, it's kind of building, I'm getting more and more confidence, especially in praying for people and stuff like that. And then once once I have gone, can I pray for you? What's that? Can I pray for you? Now, once I've said five words, it becomes so much easier. And so, some, some people are a bit like kind of, this is weird. Some people are very, very quiet. Some people are, some people just absolutely make, just, absolutely mucking around. One of, one of the guys I prayed for, he was just like kind of shaking like that as a joke. Um, 
God, God's so so awesome that other that I think other people need to know him. So we're going to uh, share little stories on the way through um, about how we get used in our everyday workplaces. So there may not be many other lifeguards in the room, uh, but I'm sure over the course of the next six, seven uh, times we see these videos, there will be different stories that connect with us um, on the way through. Today I just want to lay a foundation um, for the messages that are going to follow over, over the coming uh, weeks. We're going to speak a lot about what we need to do, but that must be seen in the context of what God has already done for us. And so this morning we're going to look at the whole subject of gospel salvation. We're going to look at it under three headings. We're going to look under salvation, um, God's choosing, salvation, our response, and salvation, our partnership. And I'm aware, even as I'm sharing this, um, and in my prep, I'm aware I'm sharing stuff that, for, for many of you, you're going to know this quite well. You know, you're well-taught people. But my prayer is that, a little bit like in the worship, and as I prayed at the end, God would take familiar truths and really bed them into our hearts in a fresh way. That we'd see something new this morning that maybe we haven't seen before. Are you up for that? Yeah? Why don't you just, um, don't need to stand up, but if you feel comfortable to, why don't you just raise your hands, close your eyes where you are. I want to pray pray for you. Lord, I I just want to pray right now that, Lord, with my limited ability to communicate, but your unlimited power to speak, I ask you, Lord, that you'd speak deep, deep, deep into our hearts this morning. And I pray, Lord God, would you take old, well-known truths and make them live. They'd be like fire in our bones. I pray, Lord God, they would affect how we live our everyday life. Lord, as we look at some of this stuff, it'd be like, yes, yes, I'm going to live differently on the back of it. Nearly it, it flows naturally from what you do in our hearts. I ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We must really, really know what God's done for us to start with. Before we build a whole load of things that we can do, we must understand what God has done. We must make sure that we know the foundation that God has already laid because foundations are the thing that brings stability. If we don't know that foundation that we're already standing on, that you're already sitting on, As a Christian here today, you will struggle to live out the following weeks of what we're talking about as a church. And I just want to start, we're going to start that first thing, salvation, God's choosing, election is the sort of technical term in the Bible, but it basically means God's choosing. Um, I just want to spend a few moments on that and we're going to work our way through. And my prayer is that these bits that if I'm honest, they're like bits of a jigsaw that in the natural mind don't seem to fit together. But they do in God. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to declare these truths out and I am in faith for God to really uh, work them into our hearts. Now I've already read these uh, verses but I'm going to read them again because 
you can't have too much of the Bible. So Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 6 says this. It should come up on the screen behind me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and just, just marvel at some of this stuff. Just, just think about it. Just think, what? what? Is, is this really true of me? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed... Why don't you say, blessed me? In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he has chose... That's right, that's right. Before the foundation of the world, that I should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. This, these verses were written to Christians just like you, just like me. These were not superhuman, super spiritual, super amazing Christians in Ephesus. They were just like any one of us, if we have given our lives to Jesus to follow him. Oh, pop the verse back up, Laura, that'd be great. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. It is, it's a glorious, wonderful truth. And sometimes I think you've, we've just got to pause and think, that is true. Because so often in our Christian lives, we get so busy just getting on with life, and we get so caught up with the up and downs of life that we realise how rich we are in Jesus. But that first, that first blessing, what is that first blessing that he says? He says, even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And the foundation of our salvation is that God chose you. The foundation of your salvation here today is that God chose you. You are, as it were, elected to be his child. And the, I don't know if you thought this, before the foundation of the world. I mean, have you thought, when was that? You know, God didn't choose you ten minutes before you became a Christian, but before the foundation of the world, millions of years ago, or you know, whenever that, this, this, this globe was there, before that, God chose you. It says in, in Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. God had already chosen you. I mean, it's ridiculous. Isn't it? It's daft. And then think, right, seven billion people on the face of the planet. He chose you, Tracy. He, he, so, so however many years ago it was when the earth was dark and formless, before that he chose someone... He had you in mind and he picked you out and said, you're going to be my daughter. I'm going to bring you into my family. And for anyone who is a Christian here today, my salvation is not rested, resting on my decision, but on God's. 
It says this remarkable thing in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. From one man he made all people of the world, now they live all over the earth. He decided exactly when they should live, and he decided exactly where they should live. God chose you. Why? It's mad, isn't it? He chose, and so, so me, me being in existence, me being his child, is not, is not some luck, fate, mistake. But the pre-choosing of God that out of the billions of people from millions of years whenever this globe first formed or thousands, whatever it is you quite put, however you put it there. But God chose me. He saw It's ridiculous. But he did. What I'd like you to say after me, we can do these odd things in church, you know, sometimes. So apologies if you're a visitor. Just watch smiling, you know, laugh to yourself on the inside as you watch everyone else do this if you're a visitor. Um, or you can get involved. Um, now, what was it I was going to say before I distracted myself? I want you to repeat after me. I am chosen, chosen before the foundation of the world. I am chosen before Genesis chapter 1. It's mad. Isn't it? It's ridiculous. But it's true. It's what the Bible says. And this is possible. This is true. Because it's God who creates. And he also sustains. The universe not only depends on God in creation, but for its continual existence. The universe can neither exist or operate by its own power. God upholds all things by his power. He governs everything that comes to pass from the greatest to the least. He makes the rain to fall and the sun to shine. He raises kingdoms and he brings them down. The numbers of hairs on your head and the days of your life are in his hands. It isn't a matter of fortune, fate or luck. And God is even able to work through broken human beings to bring about his purposes. Wow, the wisdom and the glory of God. Just repeat after me, I am chosen. I am loved. Even as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be homely, ho- homely? Holy and blameless before him in love. And the reason, do you know the reason why he chose you? It's not because of some innate goodness in you. It's not because he saw that you would have faith in him. But it's on the basis that for some odd reason, God chose to love you and love me. It's ridiculous. I want to say that again. God didn't choose you because you were good. God didn't choose you because he saw you would have faith or anything like that. No, God chose you in love. In actual fact, the Bible is absolutely clear that it's in spite of who we are that God chose us because it's all of grace. 
It says, For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish. God chose what is weak. God chose what is low and despised. Even things that are not. God chose you because he loves you. He loves you. That's what the Bible says. And on the back of this mighty, great, grand truth, it it draws three responses. The first one, it brings a comfort to us. You see, if, if Tracy, I'm going to pick on your front row. It's so good that you came and sat in the front row. I did notice, by the way, that you were late into the worship as well. <laughs> so I know Tracy really well, and she will get revenge at some point. She put something in a sandwich I'm eating. So um, I forgot what I was going to say again. <laughs> you see, see, for Tracy, God chose Tracy before the foundation of the world. He predecided to express his love for her in choosing her. The Bible also says that when Jesus returns, we are going to be glorified with him. So we can be confident that today, through punches, through difficulties, through the ups and downs of life, if God has already pre-chosen me before the foundation of the world, and if God promises to take me to be with him, when he comes again, I can be confident of his blessing and his goodness today. If he's done the greater at the beginning and he's doing the greater at the end, I can be confident from eternity to eternity, Lord God, you are good. So that means when I face, and, I, and we can face some incredibly difficult circumstances, but I've seen the goodness of God displayed to me in the past. Because he chose me before the foundation of the world. Not because of any good on my part, because he chose to love me. I've seen his goodness down that end. And I know the Bible promises he is going to be really, really, really good to me at the other end. It's a certainty. Nothing can break that chain from happening. That means in the middle, I know I'm going to experience the comfort and the grace of God today. Why? Because that's how God is. He's shown it in the past and he will show it in the future. I can be certain on his uh, blessing today. So the first thing is comfort. The second one is praise. How else, what else can we do when I realise that I was chosen before the foundation of the world? Clearly not because of anything in me. My only response is to worship, to praise. Isn't that what it does in Ephesians chapter 1? It's a, it's a hymn of praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And then the third thing is, do you know what? This is also a real encouragement to be missional. It's an encouragement to go and talk to people who don't know Jesus. Why? Because there's a whole load of people out there that he has already chosen, but they're not saved yet. They don't know about Jesus yet. It's like, it's like a fisherman coming up to me. Gary, you like fishing, don't you, I think? It's like Gary invites me to go fishing with him um, tomorrow. So he invites me to go fishing with him tomorrow, and he says, Paul, come fishing with me because I know there's a pond. And in that pond, there are a real load of hungry, hungry fish who are definitely going to bite. You are definitely going to catch a whole load. 
what that gives me confidence to go. He, we don't know which fish are going to bite. We don't know how it's going to work, but we do know they're hungry. They will bite. In the same way, the Bible promises there's loads of people around here who have been pre-chosen to know Jesus. We've just got to go find out who they are and tell them about his wonderful love. It gives us confidence to go out. I'm growing in enjoying this truth. I am growing in living in the good of it. This is foundational. This is, this is unchanging. This is, this is the stuff that you can build your life upon. Lord, I ask you right now, would this wonderful, glorious reality that we are pre-chosen by you in love, would that shape our lives? Would we catch fresh revelation of it? Amen. This is foundational. When understanding God's glorious gospel, the fact that we were pre-chosen, we were elected, this is absolutely foundational um, uh, in our salvation. But it can raise some really big questions. You see, if, if election is true, if we're pre-chosen, um, does that mean that human beings have no real choice to make? Whatever we do, things will turn out the way they were previously ordained. Doesn't the Bible talk about it that way? But the Bible also talks about genuine people making willing choices to accept or reject the gospel. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for yourselves. Come to me. There is an invitation. There is the opportunity to come or the opportunity to wait. Revelation 22, verse 17 says, Let those who are thirsty come. This isn't that we are just robots with no choice, pre-programmed to respond, but we are real people who can make real choices. And when people refuse to come, the Bible sometimes or often describes it as being due to the hardness of their hearts, a stubborn refusal to come. When Jesus is talking about the Pharisees in the Bible, it says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. There is within them a a, a stubborn refusal to respond to the message of the gospel. We see in Matthew 23, verse 37, we see Jesus' heart reflected in this passage. I think it's going to come up uh, behind me. I think it's there, Laura. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and yet you were not willing. The Bible also talks about us as human beings making real choices, affecting real lives, affecting the course of events in the world. John 3.18 says this, it follows on from John 
3.16, which we all know, but this is what it says a little bit further on. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The Bible not only talks about us being pre-chosen, but it's also willing to talk about our decision to believe or not believe as the factor that decides our eternal destiny. There's real human dignity. We're not just robots. We're not just press play on a preordained plan. We get the choice as real people to make real decisions as to whether we follow Jesus or not. So salvation is built upon this this foundation of his pre-choosing of us. But as people, we need to make genuine decisions about who Jesus is and what he did. And we will be judged on the basis of that decision that we make. I don't know if you're sort of, as you're listening to me, are you thinking, Paul, you've just preached two completely different things. Your first two points. They're like two bits of a jigsaw that don't go together. How can my salvation rests on God's pre-choosing, and yet the Bible also says that I am given a decision to make as well as an individual created in God's likeness. But the Bible teaches both those things. A number of teachings in the Bible we hold in tension. There's many things in the Bible that are difficult to understand. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us as the church? Where does that leave us as those who follow Jesus? Actually, before I go there, just to go back to the end of that last point. Obviously, then, that leaves those among us here who don't know Jesus with a choice to make. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? Will I respond positively to who Jesus is and what he did, or will I reject that? That's a decision that we as Christians believe has eternal consequences. I'd ask you to think carefully, talk to those who know Jesus, explore fully. Open up your heart to what God is doing in this place today. So where where does that leave us as Christians? Well, it leaves us in the last point, which is salvation, our partnership. If God chooses, then do we need to do anything? Sometimes the church has got itself in a bit of a pickle. It's, It's so understood, as it were, this wonderful doctrine of election, that actually it's made the church really passive. They've just sort of sat in their church buildings, worshipping and enjoying Jesus, and said, well, hey, if God wants to save people, he can do it without us. There was a guy called William Carey who lived um, at the end of the 1700s. And just after he'd become a Baptist minister, and I think I may have read this little account out to you before, I quite like it, it's it's quite feisty. um, But anyway, he's he's discussing with his, his minister colleagues 
about the need for the gospel and the need for overseas mission. And it says he was abrupt, abrupt, abruptly interrupted by an older minister who said, young man, sit down. You are an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'd do it without consulting you or me. That was, that was a, a belief in the church of that day. But they were wrong. The Bible teaches that we must certainly preach the gospel. And people's eternal destiny hinges on whether we proclaim Jesus or not. It says in Acts 18, verses 9 to 11, And the Lord said to Paul, that's the Apostle Paul one night, in a vision, Do not be afraid to go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Paul didn't assume that because there were many in the city that they were already, as it were, in the bank. You know that phrase? He didn't conclude that it didn't matter if he stayed or not. He didn't conclude it didn't matter. Oh, nearly fell over then. (laughs) That would have been embarrassing, wouldn't it? I've never fallen over preaching before. That's trying to do two things at once, walking and reading. He didn't conclude it didn't matter if he preached or not. But he stayed a further 18 months preaching the gospel. So when Paul heard there were many elect in the city, he stayed a long time making sure all the elect got saved. You see? You understand, he, he, he went for it. Paul is quite clear that unless the gospel is preached, others will not be saved. It says in Romans 10, verses 14, How then will they call on him, in, on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Far from saying that whatever Paul did made no difference, Paul endured a life of incredible struggles and suffering in order to bring the gospel to those whom God had chosen. He said in 2 Timothy 2 verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. This is God's work, and he loves to partner with us. Ultimately, we are Christians because he chose us and we glorify him for it. But our part is to step out with boldness because we can be sure that there are many in 1066 country who are God's people. That's why we run Alpha. That's why we focus on mission this year. That's why we planted a venue in Bexhill. That's why we're going to Central St. Leonard's because we are sure there are many who belong to him who need to hear about Jesus. 
John 15 verse 16 says, You did not choose me. Instead, I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit. It is fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you anything you ask for in my name. Why don't we just stand and pray together? Lord, we're just so aware we're looking at stuff in the Bible that's quite hard to comprehend. We, we, we see the truth that you chose us and we, we rest in it and we love it. Would it be an anchor to our souls? Yet we also see actually that we need to respond to you. That we have a responsibility, we have a part to play. We have a responsibility to respond to your grace and as we then respond to your grace we then have a responsibility to express that grace to those that don't yet know you. Lord, I ask you as a church that in all our unique different shapes, abilities, giftings, personalities, Lord God, would that gospel mandate that we carry be fulfilled in us this year? I ask you, Lord God, that in words and with boldness and in prayer and in action, we would reflect you to those that don't yet know you. I pray, Lord God, that our hearts would burn with a love and passion for those that don't know you, just like yours does. Lord, that we wouldn't be passive or indifferent, but we would be stirred up and, 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 and desire for family and friends for those we know and love to come to know you and the best thing ever, to know you and life to the full. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would arrest us. Firstly, in knowing that we um, are chosen by you, but then arrested with a gospel vigour and determination to go out. We ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Actually, why don't you grab a seat and Hannah's going to come and bring church news.